0: This is Creators in Vietnam with Tuacy and Moni. We aim to inspire you on your journey by interviewing creative entrepreneurs across Vietnam who make a positive impact on their community and their own lives. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. Welcome to another episode of Creators in Saigon. This is Tuacy. Today, I will be hosting a very special episode because we are introducing to you our new host, Moni. Hello. How are you, Moni? So, just to introduce yourself, let me just read out your bio a little bit, (laughs) and then we'll go deeper into a lot of the questions about you today because we want to know more about who you are and how you're going to feel Dana's shoes. (laughs) Okay, high (laughs) expectations. So much pressure. (laughs) So, Moni is a first-generation Vietnamese Hungarian, born and raised in Budapest. Did I say that right? Yes.
1: Very good.
0: At the beginning of her 20s, she started to transform when she moved to Amsterdam. And after five years of living in Amsterdam, she decided to move to Vietnam in November 2020, right for COVID. Yay. Yay. <laughs> she decided to move to uh, Vietnam to understand more about her roots and to find out what she truly wanted to do in her life. So today, Moni is a life purpose coach and she's passionate about spirituality, woman empowerment, yoga, mental health reading, traveling, nature, self-development, and try out new things. (laughs) (laughs) And as I said before, she's also the new host of Creators in Saigon. And I'm really excited to actually have this episode. So welcome, Moni. Welcome to the team.
1: Thank you, And thank you for this nice introduction about me.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Let's start from the beginning. I'm really interested actually to know more about you. I've been withholding so many of my questions because I really wanted to have this episode. So the first question that I have for you is how was it to be a first-gen immigrant in Hungary?
1: Um, Well, I think I can relate to so many other overseas Vietnamese in mm-hmm. the sense that, uh, regarding the experience so for the listeners to know my parents moved to hungary in the 1980s mm-hmm. so they are like the after war kids of vietnam and at that time <laughs> vietnam had relationships with um, communist countries all mm. over the world.
0: Yes.
1: And that's how my dad got a scholarship and went to Hungary. And that's how my mom was a factory worker and went to Hungary and that's where they met.
0: But oh, they met in Hungary. Yeah. Ooh. They met in Hungary. Yeah. It's a very
1: romantic story. <laughs> but I don't want to go into details. <laughs> right now. Yeah. Um so growing up Vietnamese in Hungary, it was interesting in a way because we were one of the first Vietnamese. In Hungary, and at that time, they were not used to having other nationalities in Hungary. And Hungary is also a very small country. Mm-hmm. They don't have colonial pasts, like, for example, France yeah. or Germany or the US. England or England. So, I felt like I was treated nicely, but I also got those comments like other uh, overseas Vietnamese, like those racist comments, you mm-hmm. know, ching chang chung yeah. and uh, go back to your home and yeah. uh, and those racist comments when I was very little. Yeah. But actually when I became older like uh, university age, I I barely got any of those comments anymore. Maybe by that time like people got used to having the vietnamese community uh among them
0: actually i have more questions about your parents i didn't know anything about this whole Mm agreements between countries so did they have a choice of country or it was more so like you're going to this country to work for this company
1: according to my parents they said like they were just assigned
0: yeah to the country so it wasn't like a dream country it was like we're going to hungary we got (laughs) the green pass no it was like i'm assigned to this country and i'm gonna go there to yep. build
1: a new life but not building a new life necessarily because mm. uh, i i think at that time the contract was always like you go there you study and then you go back to vietnam oh. and my dad got a scholarship yes uh, I see. to study in hungary and before going to hungary he he studied hungarian in vietnam oh, wow. for two years okay um and then he was like a top student of his village and that's mm. how he got the scholarship <laughs> And my mom, I think you just sign up and then they assign you to one of the countries and you go. And -hmm. at that time, Vietnam was very poor after the war. Um, They didn't have jobs. There was not enough food. So it was a great opportunity Mm -hmm. for them actually to go abroad and then study. So it was
0: something very positive. It was like winning a lottery in a way.
1: Yeah, it was yeah. like you are special, that, yeah. that you could go. It's I, like, see,
0: yeah. it's I, I should have your parents on the on the <laughs> interview, but did they know that they were going to stay their whole life there? Because they're still in Hungary at this point, and yes. they're not planning to come back to Vietnam.
1: No, no, I don't think so. Yeah,
0: So they didn't know they were going to stay the, the rest of their life in Hungary? or
1: I'm not so sure. They went there, I think, with the idea that they're going to come back. Mm-hmm. But they just saw so many opportunities, actually, after the transition that they decided to stay Mm -hmm. and doing hustling, different kind of jobs. And I think the listeners kind (laughs) of know what I'm talking about. (laughs) And, yeah, they work day and night to not only support their own family, like our little family, but also the family at home in Vietnam.
0: Vietnam. So you're originally, your family is from Hue, central Vietnam. Is that right?
1: Uh, my dad is from Hanoi okay, and my mom is from
0: Hawaii. So mission accomplished, they managed to protect <laughs> the whole family?
1: Yeah, it yeah. was a mission accomplished. So Very I good. I completely respect how much they mm-hmm. achieved yeah. by coming from nothing yeah. to actually earn such a stable life mm-hmm. for, the, for our family. So I never had any issues with not having anything in my life. So they always provided me everything that i needed in terms of necessities like food clothes mm-hmm. i could also do extra curriculum activities anything that i wanted i don't know doing badminton tennis swimming mm-hmm. anything like that
0: so you would consider your parents to be part of your support system
1: yeah okay. they were like a huge part of my support system and
0: still to this day Kind of. <laughs> <laughs> in, in, in you different.
1: Know, <laughs> you know, Vietnamese uh, families, they are really invested in their children's mm-hmm. life. And even though I'm 29 right now, they're still very invested mm-hmm. in my life.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I understand that. So how was it to balance the two culture?
1: It was challenging. <laughs> yeah, Imagine that when you go home, it's like little Vietnam. Everything is Vietnamese. I have to speak Vietnamese. The whole decoration <laughs> is Vietnamese. Mm-hmm. And my parents' habits are definitely very Vietnamese. You know, like Saturday morning, vacuuming the whole house and wake you up. If you, for <laughs> them, consider that you sleep in too late, you know, you should be useful. <laughs> 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 and then outside, I was influenced by the... Western pop culture on mm. TV, magazines, mm-hmm. at school. Like, my schoolmates were, like, already dating in elementary school. Drinking was starting in during my teenage years. Mm-hmm. So I had a really considered normal teenage life, like mm-hmm. all the other kids. But I had to always fight very hard to do what I want to do. Wow, so, okay, yeah.
0: So you didn't cave, you were like, I want to be a teenage... Hungarian teenage. (laughs) Yes, I always told
1: them, like, I want to be normal. That time Mm. I used the word normal. I want to be normal like any Hungarian kids. I don't want to be Vietnamese. And for a long time, I was just like, I want to be Hungarian. And my parents like, but you are Vietnamese. You should respect your heritage. You should should honor it. Mm -hmm. Um, So we had a lot of fight about, a lot of tension Mm -hmm. while I was growing up because... For them was also something they had to get used to this new two cultures that uh, they are living in they have to realize that they cannot expect me to be fully vietnamese they had to realize that i'm kind of a hybrid Mm -hmm. but i had still a lot of confusion about how i should identify myself and for a long time i would rather tell that i'm hungarian uh, than vietnamese and my reconnection to my roots was actually came when i I was in Vietnam when I was five, so my parents sent me back to Vietnam Mm -hmm. when I was five, because my brother came, and they worked too much, and they didn't have time to take care of me as well, so they sent me to my grandmother in Vietnam, Mm -hmm. and I lived there for one and a half years.
0: One and a half years, when you were five? Yeah. Yeah. So oh that'll why. teach you <laughs> yeah it taught me a lot <laughs> going to school on Saturday yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah but it was a nice time I don't remember so much but I I think it was like an important moment in my life and mm-hmm. that's how my connection I feel like is stronger to Vietnam compared to my brothers
0: so you have siblings I forgot to ask you
1: yeah I have yeah. a younger brother
0: a younger brother how old is he 25
1: 25
0: okay he doesn't want to come back to Vietnam.
1: He's interested. Actually, yeah. once I came to Vietnam, he's just like, oh, I want to try out to live in Vietnam as well. And mm. so many of my friends are like, oh, I also want to try living in Vietnam. And like, yeah, yeah, yeah. guys, just come. It's a nice place. <laughs>
0: <laughs> you said you came back when you were five. But then still throughout your teenagehood, you were like very much, I'm Hungarian. yes vietnam doesn't exist (laughs) yeah it was
1: it was i think when i went back to hungary there was like a switch Mm, yes like a very i forgot vietnamese completely
0: Mm -hmm. you wanted to be normal yeah Yeah. i wanted
1: to adopt i wanted to i'm also like a kind of a chameleon who can really easily blend into my surrounding and that's why i always feel like Mm. i followed every pop culture Mm. that was popular at that time whether it's being an emo a mm. rock a skater girl and yeah i had really like a normal life mm. it's just like this fighting with my parents like yeah. i had to beg them for a week to go to a party until they i can i wow. had to hide that i'm drinking in a party <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah,
1: yeah. or having a boyfriend i
0: Ooh, they the let me to have
1: a boyfriend yeah they let you
0: yes after how many boyfriends
1: <laughs> <laughs> i introduced my first boyfriend oh, to them really? yeah mm-hmm. but i was a bit a bit nervous like how they would receive it whether they would let him stay
0: over oh but wow you asked them to you ask him to stay over i mean like you ask your parents to have your boyfriend stay over how old were you 17?
1: 17
0: 17 wow. wow i had to
1: train my parents a lot
0: wow tell the story <laughs> <Well>. go, ahead. <laughs> go ahead teenage vietnamese girl 17 years old asking her parents can my boyfriend was he hungarian yeah he was hungarian her white i presume hungarian yes okay her white boyfriend <laughs> <laughs> to sleep over how did that go wow
1: well i don't know how i put it off at that time i think i just had the gut to do it mm-hmm. saying to my parents well i have this boyfriend and you know other girls can have their boyfriend as well <laughs> staying over so it's really normal these days to have your boyfriend yeah, over. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I want him to stay over. And my parents, I think they were a bit shocked mm-hmm. at first, but they they had to realize that they either let me do it or I just somehow sneak out and do something they don't want to. <laughs>
0: wow, okay, yeah. <laughs> wow. So they agreed.
1: So they agreed, but the first time actually he was sleeping on the couch downstairs yeah, it makes sense and it's funny that my when i talked to my mom like years later on and and brought it up to her and she said well you wanted him
0: to sleep in the uh, living room didn't <laughs> 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 i remember you asking us <laughs> clearly <laughs> yeah, yeah when i was engaged engaged huh? my my ex fiance now like came to my house in paris and My father was like, you two are sleeping in different beds. And I was like 31 (laughs) years old. (laughs) Really? 32 or something like that, yeah. So it's uh, well done. Or my life was different (laughs) in that sense. (laughs) But
1: you have to know that I'm very, very stubborn. Yeah. And when I want something, I will try to make it happen. Okay, very good. So i um, say my parents tell me you can't and I'm just gonna keep nagging them like but I want to I want to I want to and I, okay. after a while they give up honestly to tell you the truth when I think about my life at that time my parents are really brave mm. they are really brave to let me out
0: yeah <laughs> I have a question so coming out of that so we're going to go back to identity crisis I wanted to ask you those questions uh a little bit after but I think it's good to talk about it now so a lot of the vikio that we have or the first generation immigrant that we have on the podcast i always like to ask them how did you actually handle your identity crisis and how did you manage to be just be like okay i'm whatever you are (laughs) (laughs) yeah
1: so i as i told you like first i really just wanted to be hungarian and because when in hungary it was not so usual to see someone with double identity or double nationality. Mm -hmm. And when I met someone, like, I said, I'm Hungarian. Yeah, but you don't look Hungarian. I'm like, okay, I'm Vietnamese uh, as well. And then, like, oh, uh aha. And I always felt like it's an uncomfortable situation to to choose between the two or having both. Mm -hmm. And it became so much comfortable to have both when I moved to Amsterdam, when I was in this international environment where there were, like, so many nationalities, and they were also uh was used to having someone from different places and then my case was also something special for them but more like in a positive way and they look at me with curiosity uh oh wow that's so cool that you have both and i started to bear down this kind of shame of being different Mm -hmm. it created a lot of insecurity for me when i was uh, younger while i was a teenager and I I let go of that insecurity slowly when I moved to Amsterdam being exposed to friends who supported me for who I am regardless what's my nationality Mm -hmm. and I started to realize the strength of having two nationality because I can mix and match Um, based on my preference I can pick uh, which one I value from each nationality and I see rather the beauty of it rather than the disadvantage of having two. I also pick up traits when I, when I was living in the Netherlands from the Dutch uh, people and that really changed the way I see nationality, it's more like you are who you want to be
0: mm-hmm.
1: and I want to get away of the label of um, whether you are French, you are Vietnamese or you are yeah. German and. Rather like see people the way they are and also see myself mm-hmm. as yeah. the way I am rather than in terms of nationalities. Yeah.
0: Yeah. 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 Growing up in Europe, you always asked to choose a label or you're always forced at one label of not even being yeah. Vietnamese. For me, it was being Chinese, like, you know, because all Asian people are Chinese in France. <laughs> <laughs> in Hungary as well. <laughs> <laughs> and it was just and very similar to you. It's only when I moved to Canada that people looked at me with curious eyes, with... You know, and at least it made me feel alive. And so I pretended to be more French than I was actually. I pretended that I knew everything about wine and bread, and <laughs> cheese, and I didn't know anything about this because I grew up in a Vietnamese house. Very true what you said also. Like when you cross the door of your house, it's <laughs> Vietnam, it's a different world and you have to adapt. So, very similar where you had to be adaptable, flexible, and you'd be like, okay, I need to act Vietnamese or I need to act normal. And uh, yeah, so it's it's quite interesting. And it's, it's when I was 24, actually, I just decided that I was just going to be whichever country that suited me the best, depending on the time, depending like, you know, so when it's the World Cup, I'm definitely French <laughs> because French are much better. But now that I'm in Vietnam, sometimes I'm French, sometimes I'm Canadian, sometimes I'm, I'm Vietnamese. It just depends. And it's just when it suits me the best. And then if people don't like this. I don't care. <laughs>
1: yeah, it's so actually so interesting that you mentioned it because I have the same, like somehow it depends on the environment. I'm mm-hmm. like, I'm more Hungarian yeah, yeah, yeah. and I feel proud of it. Yeah. Or in another environment, like, oh, I'm so Vietnamese, I'm blending yeah. in. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. I think it's good that we came to this maturity. I think the m- biggest issues usually during high school when it's all about fitting in, be part yeah, of the crowd, yeah, don't be yeah, different, yeah. be normal, be the same.
0: <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: And that's the hardest uh, period when For it comes sure. to identity.
0: So when you were 22, you said you moved to Amsterdam. Talk to us a little bit about that transition period. Why Amsterdam and <laughs> why that move and how did you feel about it?
1: So at that time, I really wanted to move abroad because I never had that Erasmus experience. Somehow I missed that in my life. Mm-hmm. If uh, you don't know what ex- Erasmus is about, is that international exchange program. Mm-hmm. And I wanted to really try myself out in a different country. And I was just being a tourist in Amsterdam and I had a feeling of like, yeah, I can imagine myself living here. Mm -hmm. And when it came the time for applications, okay, which university should I choose? I also considered France, but then the English speaking programs were really, really expensive and Amsterdam was a really good choice. It was just a one year master program. The fee is good, the environment is amazing, and I I kind of like the vibe of the mm-hmm. city of this um, liberal free atmosphere. And that's why I decided to go to Amsterdam.
0: Very good.
1: And I also didn't want to do a two-year master program because I was done with studying. Mm-hmm. So one year is more than enough. <laughs> but
0: so you moved to Amsterdam. How difficult was that move?
1: Honestly, I really wanted to get out of. Hungary at that point in my life. I had a really great time in Budapest, I had great friends, life was good, but I had this issue of, okay, if I stay here, I'm gonna get a job, I'm gonna get probably some boyfriend, have an apartment and... Life is over. <laughs>
0: <laughs> okay. <laughs> and I was just not ready for it. Yeah, and of course, yeah. it's
1: now, it sounds very drastic, but at that time, that's how I thought.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Makes sense.
1: I felt like if I stay in Hungary, my life is so predictable and I felt it's so boring. I wanted to have excitement and challenge mm-hmm. and adventure. And that was my main reason to, to, to move. And at that time I was also living with my parents and I really just wanted to move mm. outside. Nice. I felt like I got so influenced by my parents, the way they raised me, yeah, that I wanted to break free from that just to really see myself. I mean, at that time I didn't know how much I would learn about myself during that five years in Amsterdam. But looking back, like... Oh, my God, it was Mm -hmm. like a life changing uh, moment for me, especially because we talked about my uh, upbringing and Asian parents are really invested in their children's lives. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And when I was living at home, I felt like I had to fit into some kind of role at home and also in my surrounding. I had to be that good student, I had to be that good citizen who do some kind of nice looking job and be a good daughter for my family for my parents
0: actually i have a question about this Uh, you're the oldest daughter did you feel that pressure growing up because in the vietnamese culture if you don't know for the audience is if you are the first kid the the oldest one you have a huge pressure to be taking care of the family and so i've met a lot of girls that were actually the oldest daughter that was that had immense pressure growing up so how did that go for you
1: I totally feel you girls. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I had the same pressure. My parents were working a lot. So as the oldest sister, I had to take care of the household of my brother, being proactive, being independent. You know, you are old enough, so you have to do your own lunch, help out in the household, preparing the dinner, cleaning mm. the house, yeah. and be a good model for my brother. Yeah. Because I have to be a good model, I have to also study well, choose the right career for myself. And I felt like I had to fulfill this example, Mm -hmm. not only for my parents and my brother, but also for the outside. Mm.
0: Um,
1: So in the community as well, I felt like there was a lot of peer pressure not peer pressure but like a lot of comparison between the the kids
0: oh the vietnamese community yeah it, it, i think it's it's similar everywhere the, like do good so i can brag to your <laughs> aunts <And laughs> it's not about you doing good really it's about us bragging about you <laughs> exactly
1: it just made me f- i always felt like there was a lot of pressure
0: <laughs> do you still feel that pressure
1: Not so much anymore Mm. because I made peace with it.
0: (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. For some of the oldest daughter that is our audience here, like, what is the advice that you would give to them to make peace with it?
1: Stop being a perfectionist. I think being an older sister also makes you become a perfectionist. And uh, it impacts you a lot mentally because you do a lot of self-sabotage, self-criticism, because you always think that you have to be that perfect model for everyone and that's the biggest pressure to be the older sister Mm -hmm. and my advice is that just let it go let go of perfectionism because you can never be
0: (laughs) Yeah. yeah i like that very good and then I'm sure your little brother right now is having the good life. <laughs> <laughs> <He is. laughs> I'm the youngest kid and I grew up to be the drug addict. <laughs> I'm like, no pressure. I was like, everything was good. I left the house when I was 19 and <laughs> it was bad, you. but not as bad than my brother or my sister's life. I was the youngest. so
1: Yeah. And you don't feel the pain of paving the path.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Very good advice for all the f- oldest daughter, the older <laughs> sister out there. So a little bit more about Amsterdam and how it influenced you. So you went, you did only one year of master program, but you actually uh, stayed five years. So what happened during the other four?
1: So I I decided to get a job Mm -hmm. after my uh, I finished university to really experience how life is over there. And it was really nice because many of my friends from university, they also stayed. So I had a nice international community and life was really great it was a lot of partying (laughs) yeah yeah. (laughs) i don't know if you know amsterdam it's really they have a really nice party scene Mm -hmm. really nice music events and it's a place where there's more freedom of expression of who you are and also there's more gender equality as well so i really felt like i could grow in yep. my personality, in that environment mm-hmm. and enjoy the life the way I want to and not f- being afraid to be judged. Mm-hmm. It's like a nice international yeah. environment where yeah. people are so much more open-minded regarding mm-hmm. any kind of topic whether it's about yeah. relationship, work,
0: yeah.
1: intimacy, vulnerability, gender equality.
0: I'm not too familiar with Amsterdam, but... I know, for example, in France, there is a culture of just talking and not so much acting. And so people become very polemical and they become very intellectual in a way. And it's just intellectual masturbation all over the place. <laughs> and there is very little execution on that knowledge. I feel like that maybe in Amsterdam, there was a bit of, of a balance where people would talk, but about experience that they were living. Because you, I, I love how you said you were able to express yourself and discovered that expression. And I feel like the balance of those two, knowing and experiencing, brings a lot of emotional maturity. And I feel like this is what you know, made you feel very safe at the end of the day? I
1: think so as well. But actually, it could be Amsterdam. It was just only partial because Mm -hmm. uh, my friends actually who really helped me to grow, Mm. to learn about my emotions because at that time, if someone asked me, how do you feel? I couldn't answer that question. (laughs) And my friends were super supportive of me Mm. and helped me really express myself better. And I think... In Amsterdam, it's not about the place itself of Amsterdam, but it's about I get out of uh, the conditioned environment of yeah. Hungary,
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. where
1: there were like a lot of influences from family, mm-hmm. the local culture, mm-hmm. and everything. And I could distance myself yeah. from that environment to actually see myself better in a different light. And that's what brought the growth yeah. in my personality and who I am. Yeah. For example, about emotions, like in my family, we don't talk about emotions, but I got surrounded with friends who actually openly talked about it. And that's how I was encouraged to notice your feelings. How do yeah. you feel? And it's okay that you feel that way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And if I feel down, someone going to hug me.
0: Yeah. Those friends are still part of your life? Yes. Yes. Good. We talk a lot about support system on the on the podcast because it's it's quite important to be able to express your emotions to the right people and for them to be able to give you space to express them and to understand them, because that's the purpose of expressing those emotions. So it's good to have that support system.
1: Yeah, exactly. So shout
0: out to all your friends.
1: I love you all.
0: I feel like you're totally right. That experience brought you a lot of emotional intelligence, emotional maturity, so that's very good. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I I think it's like uh, (coughs) probably you had the same experience or anybody else who went abroad. It's really like an opportunity for us Mm -hmm. to distance ourselves of the usual environment. Because in the usual environment, we're often blind Mm -hmm. to to our own faults or our own patterns.
0: If I compare it to my experience, I, I would say that your experience is more particular in a way that I think you surrounded yourself with the right support system. Where I went to Canada, and yes, I had that step back to where I was like, now I can be me. But I had no tools available at my disposition to express my emotions. But instead of going out and showing my vulnerable side, I decided to cave into my insecurities and pretended to be someone that I wasn't. And I got lost in that for so many years. I think
1: the difference is that when you go to somewhere with an intention, Mm. then you gonna attract the people that you want yeah. like my trip to amsterdam was not due to escapism yeah, yes. but it was the intention to uh. grow as a person professionally and personally yeah. and also when i come to vietnam right now is also was very intentional mm. intentional for also to explore myself and grow because the people you talk about i think it's like more like they see location as the problem yeah. Yeah. And that's why they go to another yeah. country thinking that that new place is going to solve and then can start afresh. But actually, your problems are there. They're just <laughs> traveling with you.
0: Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Story of my life. <laughs> this is an interview about me. <laughs> no, you're totally right. Escapism. I escaped France when I was 19. And then I tried to escape my problem going to Australia when I was 28. And then I tried to escape back to Canada. And... <laughs> It was always like, you know, trying to run away from the discomfort that was well within. Uh, And yet I read The Alchemist so many times. (laughs) And I was like, it's my favorite book. Oh, my God. The grass is not greener. But yeah, fuck no. (laughs) But so true. Yes. Moving with intention is super right. So well said. (laughs) Let's talk about your change of life now and you coming to Vietnam. Did you want to add something to your love of Amsterdam, did we give uh, all the respect due?
1: <laughs> my love of Amsterdam is always there, deep inside me, and also that's where my actually self development started. Yes, that actually to me to the phase where I am right now in Vietnam. So my self development really started three, four years ago, Mm -hmm. when I was really insecure in my job, in my environment, and that's when I started to go to those usual self-help books, you know, the first one was the Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. (laughs) I mean, he said it was gr- good. It was a it good book. Yeah, yeah. he said really good stuff, yeah. and and I started to follow it, and, and it did make an impact on yeah, my yeah. life.
0: It's actually the first book that I've read too. Oh my god! Self-development <laughs> <laughs> <Stopped laughs> ten years ago. <laughs>
1: you kind yeah. of feel like an enlightenment when you read the book. Yeah. But then, I think it's a good start. Yeah. It's definitely a good start for for me at least. But coming from there, I improve at work. I improve my relationships. But the biggest change happened when I had the breakup, Mm. a heartache. It just brings up so much emotions. That's when you kind of questions, okay, why I feel this way. You also even reflect on your own life, especially if you have been in a relationship. You had an identity in a relationship and Mm -hmm. then you don't have it anymore and... It just all made me question myself, my life. And I have a tendency of giving myself away in a relationship that I'm now consciously trying not to do anymore. But then when I come out of a relationship, I feel like a part of me is kind of like missing Mm -hmm. because I was just not myself enough. Very true. And then after that breakup, that's when I started to meditate. Because I was so frustrated of all my emotions. I'm like, I don't want my emotions to be me. I want to be myself. Mm -hmm. And in that desperate scream, I reached to meditation. And that's how everything started. It's, for me, still amazing to see, like, how meditation made a ripple effect.
0: Mm -hmm. How did you get introduced to meditation?
1: I was just, like, Googling around. Mm -hmm. I found a really nice article about, like, how someone started to meditate Mm -hmm. on Medium. And... In that article, they recommended a book called The Mind Illuminated, which mm. is like a very long meditation guide, mm-hmm. like step by step. And I ordered a book. I'm just, I always, if I do something, I go 100% or zero. So <laughs> <laughs> the same happened with meditation. <laughs> yeah. And that's how it started. Every day, I just sit down for two minutes
0: mm-hmm.
1: and then... It suddenly started to increase slowly after a few months and now I can sit for 45 minutes. That's how I also got more into spirituality, mm-hmm. yoga, also got to know friends who also really spiritual. And that's when the conversation started about like, okay, what's the meaning of life? <laughs> mm-hmm. What's the point of chasing all those job titles, all that wealth, all that money? And that's when I started to become more uh, connected to nature. I went on trips and I felt so much home by being in nature. And thanks to that process, that's when I started to become more myself. Mm-hmm. And also thanks to actually for a really good mentor of mine at work, who also nur- nurtured me to help me to to express myself and then help me to see the limitations that i had in my mind or that's limiting beliefs yes. about like how i'm supposed to be for a long time i had this belief that i'm supposed to be a good daughter for my parents and being a good daughter means having a good paying job having a life kind of figured out
0: <laughs> yeah 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 having and a husband having a house was there in yeah. that <laughs> getting married before 30 <laughs> yes yeah. all of
1: that and when I was in Amsterdam, I, I already reached a good point in my career. Mm-hmm. I had an um, okay salary. I could live comfortably. I could travel when I want to. I can buy all the necessities I need. And that's when I had this moment of like, okay, now what's,
0: what's mm. next? <laughs> I see, yeah.
1: Because I so, was never the person who, who wanted to chase like a very top position mm-hmm. in a company. Also, the idea of climbing the corporate ladder was for me... It's something I felt like I need to do, but not necessarily bring me joy.
0: Mm. Yeah. And so that led you to the decision to move to Vietnam. Yes. Yeah. It's, it's interesting how like you always had that desire of growth and getting out of your comfort zone.
1: I think the upbringing really made me this independent, yeah. resilient, proactive, strong person. And also I had to fight for everything. Mm-hmm when it comes to doing something in my life, that I get used to be this proactive person, really fighting for Mm. it. And I don't know what's on the other side, but I just have this feeling it's going to be good for me. My choice of Vietnam was some part instinctive. I reach a point where I'm like, I'm good where I am. I'm really comfortable. And I had this thought again, like when I was in Hungary, like, okay, if I stay here, it means that I'm going to probably get another job, move up on the corporate ladder, get a mortgage, buy a house, probably get some boyfriend and husband, Mm -hmm. and I settle, and that's it. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. yeah.
1: And the thought of it made me scared again.
0: Yeah, yeah, same thought than in Hungary, yeah.
1: And I thought, like, I'm not ready for this. And I knew that I want to explore living in Asia. Mm -hmm. And I remember back then I was thinking, like, oh, I would go to Singapore or Hong Kong, only mm. most developed uh, cities and somehow but i heard it from other vietnamese as well they don't consider vietnam as an option because we somehow think that oh it's a place to visit our families and that's it
0: mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> until i had an interview with a vietnamese company uh, while i was still in amsterdam and what i heard from him is that mm-hmm. vietnam is booming there are so many opportunities and i really implemented that seed in my head mm-hmm. that Actually, the place I should be is Vietnam and not another developed city in Asia that would be another version of Amsterdam mm-hmm. just in Asia. Yeah. I wanted to have this environment where there's freedom, uh, a dynamic culture where you can still experiment, nothing is set in stone.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And that's why I was so attracted to the mm-hmm. idea of mm-hmm. going to Vietnam. And end of 2019, I told all my friends... I'm going to go to Vietnam. And then a few months later, COVID happened. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Let's not talk about COVID too much today because I'm I'm tired of talking about it. Yeah, me too. But so you stayed in Amsterdam for the time being, but like you were very sure of your choice of going to Vietnam at that point. Let's go fast forward to your day in Vietnam now. And so how was expectation versus reality for you at this point?
1: For me, actually, it completely matched my expectation, Yeah. strange enough. Like, I just had this feeling when coming to Vietnam, like, I know I'm going to go to Saigon, I know that there's going to be an entrepreneurial environment, and I mm. know that they're going to be easier to make connections. And when I came here, I was, it was interesting, because I only had a feeling of it, but it completely matched with what I thought it would be, mm-hmm. like this energetic dynamic environment
0: yeah so covid aside it was a very positive experience
1: yeah it was a very positive experience Mm -hmm, and also i was so lucky to being able to travel across the country to really see vietnam Mm -hmm. as it is like yeah because saigon is only like a little part
0: of of course course, yes and
1: for me it was like a much authentic experience when i just traveled around speaking with the locals and Mm -hmm not having all the tourists because of covid
0: <laughs> so you came this year <laughs> and then it was like on and off lockdown and then super lockdown so um, i guess it's hard to ask you that question but do you see yourself stay in vietnam
1: i think so i can see myself staying like at least two three years mm-hmm. and then see it from there
0: all right so my next question would be then Who is Moni here in Vietnam? (laughs) I know you had a big transition in terms of like what you wanted to do and the impact that you wanted to have within the community. So let's maybe talk a little bit more about, you know, the coach. Moni. (laughs) Yeah.
1: So coaching came very accidentally, actually. Via I was working at a company and I was a bit lost because I started to work for a company, but I didn't see myself being there. So one day I was just like, okay, let's reflect back. I came to Vietnam to do something that I love to do. And I decided to fill out the Ikigai, which is about mm-hmm. what you love, what you are good at, what the world needs and what you can pay for. hmm And since by this time, I also cultivated so much knowledge about myself, what I want, what I like to do, who am I. uh, It was much easier to answer that question. Mm -hmm. Because while I was in Amsterdam, I was kind of have an idea of what I want, but I couldn't make it concrete. And (laughs) I had to travel all the way here to Vietnam to realize that I want to become a life coach. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I started to work on it really four months ago and life purpose coaching came like along the process because at the beginning what I only knew that I just want to support especially my generation because what I see in my generation that we have so many choices out there and we always like trying to seek fulfillment in external things like having that uh, particular job, having that kind of apartment, having that kind of lifestyle. And we all confuse of like, actually, what would make us happy? Mm-hmm. And I see many people in my generation, once they get it, then they realize like, no, actually, I'm not so sure that I want this. Yeah. And I was in that situation when I had everything, but I felt like I my life is still empty.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: And... That's the generation I want to really support, to to see that that actually what uh, fulfillment you can find within. That's really an important topic in my life. Knowing yourself, being your authentic self, and find joy in life by who you are, rather mm. than trying to fit in something that you are not. Yeah. Because in our generation, so many of us trying to be that doctor, be that lawyer, or be that professional that others imagine us to be, whether Mm -hmm. it's about society, family, or our friends, or school, that we kind of lose touch of our own identity. And my goal as a life purpose coach is really to to help people find their own passion from within and find the impact they want to make by listening to what they actually care about what they want to do what kind of contribution Mm -hmm. they want to make and they many people don't see it as i also didn't see it because all the theaters we are surrounded with Mm -hmm. theaters meaning what other expect from us other people opinion all the news social Mm -hmm. media
0: i think it's quite an important job that you're doing right here and I like the the precision that it's not just life coaching, it's life purpose coaching.
1: (laughs) Yeah, because I'm very holistic Mm -hmm. in a way I I deal with my clients and also the way I live my life. Mm -hmm. That I want to bring that holisticness into my coaching as well. And then purpose is also something that it's not like a goal that we can attain. It's more like the way we want to live, the contribution they want to make is some kind of like higher reason Mm -hmm. to wake up every day. And once you find that, you have more flexibility how you make it happen in your own life. From my own experience, we tend to take other people's goals as our own. And we think that just because that other person is happy with what they achieve, whether it's through their job, their life, Mm -hmm. we kind of want to incorporate that in our own life. And that's when we feel lost. And that's how I felt lost. Because I thought there's like a path I should follow. Like everybody else, and mm. that's when I find myself unhappy. As a life purpose coach, I want to really strip people away from all that structure, all that ideas that we have in our mind, and really getting to the core of what do you actually really want. And I remember some in my time, like some people told uh, me at least, or maybe it was a general saying, like you cannot earn money with your passion. You cannot always earn money by doing what you love to do. Maybe I took it from my parents that work no. has to be hard, you have to suffer yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. to actually earn the living that you want. Mm-hmm. And I want to let go of that idea yeah. and really believe in that, that we can be happy by what we are doing.
0: Yeah. yeah, yeah. Terrible relationship with money we have in our generation, I feel. It's, I it's been so. a huge personal work on like you know, there is different different approach with money, but I, I used to be the... Not you, Moni. <laughs> but I used to see money as the devil or as something that would corrupt me. But then our society is, in a way, still very much structured around money. It's very interesting topic.
1: And when we want something different, we label those people who don't want to do the corporate leather lifestyle, mm-hmm. that they are dreamers, they are weird, or yeah. they are artistic.
0: Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, those type of conversation, I, I really love them. So when you say your generation, what is you, the audience that you're trying to reach to? Are they specifically from a certain country or are they Vietnamese or you can coach anybody?
1: Well, I think no, n- none of the coaches can coach everybody. <laughs> <Yeah>.
0: Oh, yes.
1: <laughs> because it's also like a relationship that we have to build when it's about coaching. So... What I see the people I fit most is the people who in this transitional phase in their life, mm-hmm. like when they want to just basically choose another path completely for themselves, want to really experiment what's out there. So my clients have to have this kind of open-mindedness or to experiment, to try to be vulnerable, to get to know themselves mm-hmm. to the core <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and not being scared of getting out of their comfort zone. Those are my Ideal clients yeah. who want to make a yeah. big shift in their life, yeah. and in terms of age, they there's no nothing fixed, but I I think it's more around late twenties to early thirties, around mm-hmm. that age. Yeah, um, and in terms of region, like <laughs> I'm up for anything. <laughs> yeah,
0: very good, very good. I think you're right when you say it's a relationship. Every time we work with someone, and I've been coaching now for about a year and now I'm very specifically life system coach where like I install systems in your life together <laughs> and Good. it's very important to really define at the very beginning that we're starting a relationship so it's 50-50 you know the responsibilities is shared and you know you have to be willing to step out of your comfort zone and you have to trust that I'll be on the other side respecting the fact that you've get out of your comfort zone so that's the <laughs> that's the work that we're doing and really having that respect and understanding that, you know, it takes two to tango.
1: (laughs) Yeah, exactly.
0: Yeah. I know you answered that question in the transition episode, but why did you want it to be a host for Creators in Saigon?
1: (laughs) 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 So I also told uh, in the previous episode that um, Creators in Saigon was my first podcast that I listened to when I came to Vietnam. Mm -hmm. And I felt really inspired by the conversations and really encouraged me to do my own thing to basically to launch my coaching and when i heard that there's a spot available i felt like it would be a very interesting opportunity because i also want what's the mission of creator saigon is to inspire others to do your own thing no matter how good that you where you or how good that you are what you are doing mm-hmm. you ch- we all start somewhere and that's the message that Creators is Sagon is showing through those intimate conversations where you get to know the person it seems now that they all figured it out but yeah. actually when they started like everything yeah. was messy yeah. there were a lot of doubts and fears mm-hmm. and I really like the human side of it and that's what i want to also bring to the table when uh, joining this podcast to keep bringing conversation to the table that also inspire the listeners to to know that we are all humans we all have make mistakes we have fears we have anxiety but we all work on it and you can work on it as well to find the fulfillment that you want in your life
0: very good very good Support system is a big one. Again, I'll I'll repeat that. Uh, you'll hear me repeat about support system a lot where <laughs> we don't go through life alone. I mean, I don't think the purpose of life is to just be alone and you need to be good with yourself and you need to be okay just being by yourself, but it's always more fun to have the proper support system around you. Uh, I had a question that I forgot to ask you is, if you were to talk to your 18-year-old self, what would Coach Moni t- tell her? <laughs>
1: I would tell her to relax. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. At the age of eighteen, I was such a perfectionist, people pleaser, yeah. that I would just tell her, "Like, hey, girl, relax, be yourself. You don't really have you don't have to be anything for anyone. Yeah. Just enjoy life and make mistakes. Good. It's fun. Yeah. yeah. Again, like surrounding yourself with the people that support you yeah. and encourage your growth." that's the most important thing in life and you need someone next to you who repeat this all the time
0: (laughs) with compassion yes Yes. exactly not with judgment so we're going to we're coming to the end of the interview actually thank you so much Moni for being here thank you for joining Creators in Saigon I'm super happy to have you one last thing that I'm gonna ask you to do as an exercise you're gonna have the mic for you know 30 seconds if you had a message to send to the universe to ask for you know connection or help from (laughs) others like what would you tell send your message
1: wow that's a hard one (laughs) because there are so many things but i think at this moment what i really really want is to have a spiritual circle Mm -hmm. around me Mm -hmm. to be part of um it's called also like a women's circle i don't know if you know the concept but it's about being surrounded with a circle of women who support each other, who support each other to grow mentally, spiritually, Mm. personally. And Mm. that's what I wish for at the moment.
0: Very good. So if someone from the audience has this, (laughs) they can reach out to you. I know one of our previous guests, Crystal, she's a coach also. She does have a circle like this put you in contact shout out to Crystal. <laughs> and that's it. I think we're coming to the end. A- anything else that you wanted to uh to add?
1: Mm, only that I'm really excited for yes. this this new chapter. Yes. <laughs> <laughs>
0: yes, keep me structured, please. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, do yeah. good. So this is it for the introduction of uh, moni and uh We are now, I think the next episode is going to be the next live episode with Connor. I'm really excited about this. And uh, that's it. Thank you so much, Moni. I hope you enjoyed it. And then uh, see you soon. See you. Thank you so much for listening to Creators in Vietnam. If you like this episode, become a part of our mission to inspire others by leaving a five-star rating and review in Apple Podcast. Also by sharing this episode with your friends on social media. This one small act can truly make a difference in someone's life. Don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss an episode and see you next time.